Well, good morning, everyone, and happy Easter. It's great to have you here. My name is John Miklas. I'm the lead pastor at CCC, and I want to say a special welcome to all of our guests uh, who are here with us for the first time. Thank you so much for choosing to spend some of your Easter Sunday with us, as well as welcome to those who are regular tenders who are here um, on a regular weekly basis. Well, as you might have guessed from the video, we're going to talk about the subject of forgiveness this morning. It's a subject that we've been talking about. We started last week. We'll be doing so for the next few weeks, and uh, that's what we're going to focus on this morning. And a couple things that will help you, um, I want to encourage you to grab is there's a card in front of your, the seat back in front of you, and to grab that, and sometime during the morning, if you just take a moment and fill out the front half of that card, uh, if you're a regular attender here, just give us your name and email address or cell number. If you're a guest, if you fill that out, it helps us stay connected with you and provide you with opportunities that are happening here at CCC that are relevant to you. And we'll come back to this a little bit later in the morning. Also inside the program you received, there's just a sheet like this for you to take some notes, jot down some significant things that you might hear this morning or on the notes uh, app inside your phone. You can use that as well. Well, today we're going to talk about the subject of forgiveness. And, and as we think about the subject of Easter, um, we've been talking about forgiveness is unlocking the door to freedom. Forgiveness is unlocking the door to freedom. And on Easter, we talk about uh, the significance of this day, of the empty tomb, of Jesus being risen from the, day, from the dead. We sing songs. We put on special clothes. These are my nicest jeans that I have. You know, we come all dressed up for church on Sunday. Um, you know, we have meals with family and friends. We all get together. Uh, we decorate with flowers and make things look great. Our kids get hopped up on eggs and candy, and they have enough for the next three weeks. You know, those are all the things that we do. But why do we do all those things? Why do we do all those things? Why do we celebrate Easter? Why do we celebrate Easter? Well, I want to suggest to you this morning that the answer is found in one simple, profound word that has... Um, incredible ramifications for our lives, and that is the word forgiveness. Forgiveness. You know, one of the international signs that forgiveness of, that Christ brought to us at Easter is this. It's a symbol of the cross. The cross. The cross of Easter is a symbol that signifies the intersection where God chose to meet man and extended forgiveness in the person of Jesus Christ. And today what we're going to do is we're going to look at three phrases that Jesus uttered when he was on the cross. Three of his final last phrases. And as we look at these words, Adam Hamilton, his book, Final Words of the Cross, reminds us that there's great significance when you think about an individual's final words. He says this, person's final words reveal what is on his or her heart and mind at the time, and sometimes reveal the nature of a person's faith and hope. To speak while being crucified would require great efforts as the victims would have to pull themselves up on the nails and the wrists in order to expand the diaphragm to speak. For all these reasons, words were sparse among the victims of crucifixion. So this makes Jesus' final words more intriguing and possibly more meaningful to us as we think about the effort that it took for him to speak those words. And so what was on the heart and mind of Jesus when he hung on that cross? What was on the heart and the mind of Jesus when he hung on that cross? Today I want us to look at three of the phrases. There's actually seven of them. There's actually seven of them, but we're just going to look at three of those phrases this morning. And I think in these three phrases, we're going to get a better understanding of the why we celebrate Easter. The why we celebrate Easter. And this morning we're going to talk about the cross as well. Because I believe the cross is the key that unlocks the door to freedom with God will receive the gift of forgiveness. We've been talking about forgiveness as being a door. Door to my left and to my right and your left there. The door. And a door opens the way to this path called freedom. 
And so this morning, we want to talk about the cross being a key to do three things. The first is it unlocks the door between us and God. It unlocks the door between us and God. One of the first statements I want us to look at that Jesus said on the cross was this one, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? Why did Jesus expend his energy to cry this out to the heavens? And maybe more importantly, why did Jesus feel abandoned by his Father in that moment in time? Why did the God of heavens turn his back on his one and only Son? Why? Why? Well, when Jesus hung on that cross, it wasn't just that he was unjustly crucified, although that was true. When Jesus hung on that cross, he hung on that cross to take on the sins of mankind. All the sins that had ever been or ever would be committed, he took all those sins and he felt the weight of the alienating effects of those sins on him. Sin has a way of creating this barrier between us and other people and between us and God. It's the greatest isolator because it serves to alienate us from the God who handcrafted us. One of the writers of the Bible, Peter, said it this way. He said, he personally carried our sins in his own body on the cross. And then he said, Christ suffered for our sins once for all. He never sinned. He didn't have to die. But he took on all of our sins and died for us. You see, what sin does is sin puts this barrier between, this barrier between us and God between us and God. And sin has an ugly stepsister called shame. Shame tells us that not that we did something wrong, but that we are defective, that we're not of value and worth. And the best way to deal with the defection is to hide it, to keep it hidden so nobody sees it, nobody knows what it is. We deal with the sin, we believe the lie that we are naturally deeply defective and beyond repair. And what sin does is sin uses shame to isolate us, to keep us away from others, and to alienate us from our Maker from God. You see, sin says you did something wrong and shame says you are something wrong. The truth is, all of us have experienced sin. All of us have felt the alienated effects of sin. Paul said this in Romans. He said, everyone sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. And I think if we took a poll this morning, I think we'd all say, yeah, I've sinned. I've sinned. Some of you, if you're honest, said, yeah, I sinned this morning. Yeah, I sinned this morning on the way to church. Yeah, I sinned in the church parking lot. You know, Some of you might even be that honest. But the truth is we all have sinned. We all have sinned. And so none of us are exempt from this thin, sin thing. We've all participated. We've all been separated. And no one can open that door to freedom, that door to forgiveness, without some help, without some divine intervention. And God decided to address this barrier between us and God. Somehow he had to take away that barrier that our sin created. And the way that he chose to do that was by sending his one and only son to hang on a cross and to figuratively place the sins of the world on him. Forgiveness addresses our alienation from God by unlocking the door that leads to freedom. You see, God's forgiveness not only addresses what we've done wrong, but it also addresses the shame that we experience. Because Jesus took on both our sin and our shame when he hung on that cross. And he said, I don't want you to not have a relationship with the Father. And so I'm going to take that all on myself so that you never have to cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I imagine most, if not all of us, 
have had the experience of having a password on an app on our phone that we forgot. How many of you have forgotten an, a password for an app on your phone or something on your computer? Okay, almost all of us, right? And so when you forget the password, what do you have to have happen? You have to get a reset password link, right? You have to get a reset password. And so what do you do? You reset the password, and that allows you to do what? It allows you to get into the app or the program on your phone. It's the same in relationships. It's the same in relationships. You see, when there's a wound, when there's an offense, when someone does something wrong, when someone hurts someone's feelings, there's a barrier between those two people. And forgiveness resets the relationship. It starts it all over. It allows it to begin again. And in the same way with God, when God forgives us and we accept that password reset, it opens the door for us to have a relationship with God. Last week we looked at this quote, forgiveness is setting the prisoner free and discovering the prisoner was you. Forgiveness is setting the prisoner free and discovering the prisoner was you. And you can look at this two ways. One way you can look at it is forgiveness sets you free. Sets you free. It keeps you from stewing on the offense, from running that role, uh, replaying that offense over and over and over in your mind. And every time you replay that offense in your mind, you become better and the other person becomes worse. That's what we do when we replay offenses, right? And so it frees you from replaying those offenses. It also literally not only sets you free, but it sets the other person free as well. The meaning of Easter is all about forgiveness. It's about God extending His forgiveness to you. It's about God saying to you, I want to have a relationship with you. I want to have a relationship with you. And I want that so much that I'm willing to sacrifice my one and only Son so that that could take place. And as you sit and listen to this this morning, I want to ask you a question to think about. And that question is, have you received the gift of forgiveness? Have you received the gift of forgiveness um, that God offers to you today? You say, John, I'm not quite sure. How do, I, how, do I, how do I receive the gift of forgiveness? What does that even look like? I don't know. Well, one of the writers in the ancient world said this. He said, the way it begins is by putting your eyes on Jesus, the one who started and made our faith perfect. For the joy that was coming to him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at God's right hand. So the first thing that the cross does is the cross is the key to this relationship between us and God. It takes away the barrier between us and God. But the second thing the cross is, the second thing that the cross does is it makes forgiveness possible even when we're unaware that we need it. Even when we're unaware that we need it. Another statement that Jesus made on the cross was this. He said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. They're clueless, God. They're clueless. But would you forgive them anyways? Would you forgive them anyways? And this is a hard one to wrap our minds around. Because often when someone wrongs us, when someone offends us, when someone sins against us, in our minds we tell ourselves, we have to make sure they understand. We have to make sure that they understand. And not only do they need to understand, but they need to accept what they did and somehow feel the same way I felt. And then and only then will I be able to move towards forgiveness. And maybe you have someone in your life that you're holding out on right now because they don't seem to get it. And even if they say they get it, you have this nagging sense. They don't really understand. They're just saying that to get me off their back. And God says through His Son, 
They aren't always going to get it. They aren't always going to get it. You see, forgiveness addresses the brutality of our sin even when we're not aware of our own sin. When Jesus was crucified that day, He was tortured and He was beaten. He was brutalized. And what they were doing, they didn't even realize it. That when they were mocking Jesus, they were mocking God. That when they were beating and torturing Jesus, they were beating, beating and torturing God. That when they crucified Him, they, they crucified God in the flesh who had come down from heaven and was walking among them providing a cure for their sin and shame even when they didn't even know it. Jesus said to forgive them because they were out to lunch. They had no clue what they had done. And the truth is, it wasn't just them because the truth is our sin is what nailed Him to the cross as well. Even if we didn't know it. Even if in our ignorance and Jesus speaks these words of forgiveness to the Father, Father, can you forgive them? Because they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. I don't know about you, but don't you hate when you get embarrassed about something that others can see and you can't? Um, I don't like to be the last one in the room to figure things out when everybody else is aware of those things. Um, because the truth is, when, I'm, when we're often embarrassed about something, we're the only ones that can change it. We're the only ones that can change it. You know, my family... Uh, there's kind of this history of doing embarrassing things to yourself. And um, on one particular side of the family, to be left unnamed, um, but uh, uh, there's a series of these things. And these things have been going on for generations. And so as you can imagine, the tales are told about these things. But one particular embarrassing thing that's happened to um, several generations back, and then the, the, a generation removed, and now the generation that I'm in is wondering who this is going to happen to next, is a toilet paper tale, you know? Um, and, and they're just wondering, okay, who's it going to happen to next? And they're all about the age where this is going to show up and it happens. You know, you just walk out and you don't realize it. And the problem when you're embarrassed is you can't do anything about it, right? You're the only, excuse me, you're the only one that can do anything about it. Nobody else is going to do anything about that. You're the only one, but you don't even know it happened. You don't even know it happened. This happened to me a couple years ago. I was standing up on stage and I was speaking and one of the staff members was sitting on the front row and he, um, he uh, had his computer and he, he put, typed a message and turned around and said, don't put your hands in your pocket. And I was like, don't put your hands in your pocket. What in the world are you talking about? So I was like, okay, okay, okay. I guess I'll keep my hands out of my pocket. I didn't know what I was doing wrong. And then about 10 minutes later, he put another message up and says, your zipper's down, you know. And, and I didn't know when I was putting my hands in my pocket, guess what my zipper was doing? Well, you know, that's what I was happening. I didn't know that, you know. Fortunately, you didn't know it either. But uh, somehow I was hiding that. You know, but who's the only person who can do anything about it? Me, right? Me. And then you wonder, how long has that been going on? And who knew about this? And nobody else chose to, hey, John, you know, like nobody was doing that out in the room, you know. Um, but those kinds of things happen. And they happen when we're, when we're not aware. When we're not aware. And, and self-awareness, being aware of what's going on inside of us, is the first step towards change. Rob Reimer in his book Soul Care talks about the three gateways to life change and one of those is self-awareness. Look what he says. He says, you will never rise above your level of self-awareness. The things we deny about ourselves are the very things that deny us from the fullness of God. And one of the greatest gifts that God gives to us is this gift of self-awareness of God's Spirit of making us aware of things that are happening in our lives that God wants to change, God wants to remove, and He does this through the work of conviction. Conviction is when I move from being unaware to aware. And now I know what the issue is, and now the question is, what will I do about it? 
what will I do about it? And when I confess my sin, I take responsibility for my part in what has closed the door between God and me. And so as you're listening this morning, I want to ask you this question. Is there something that God is making you aware of in your life? Is there something between you and God that God's just kind of zeroing in and pointing out and saying, this is a barrier between us. This is a barrier between us. And it's a barrier that nobody else may know about it. It might be a barrier in your soul. It might be a barrier in your thoughts. Maybe it's something that you're doing and other people have seen and pointed out. And you just need to acknowledge it and take responsibility for it and recognize that God wants to change and transform those things about it. You see, the Bible tells us that God was even acting on our behalf when we were stuck and we didn't know any better. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us when we were interested in Jesus. No, while we were sinners, while we were far removed from God. Another place it says, while we were enemies with God. And so God moves towards us. God reaches down to us, even when we're not aware of what we're doing. He not only wants to remove the barrier between us, He's reached down to us when we're not aware. And lastly, the cross is the key formed by the hands of God, and we have to decide if we're going to accept it. Accept it. I love things that are new. I love new ideas. I love to start new things. I like to try new things. I like to travel to new places. Anything new, I really, really enjoy. And so I like to start new things as well. And most of the time I'm able to finish. I'm pretty persistent, and that gets me to the finish line. But most people that are good starters are not good finishers. Not good finishers. So let me ask you this. How many of you struggle to finish things and you have a lot of unfinished projects laying around at home? Let me see. There's a few. Okay, we got a few hands there. All right, just a few. Now let me ask you this. How many of you are married to or live with someone who has unfinished projects all over the house? Let me see your hands. Okay, there's a lot more hands. There's a lot more honesty in that second group there. You know, there's a couple things sitting in the, in the garage. There's a thing in the car. There's two or three things in the bathroom and the, down the basement. You know, there's unfinished projects everywhere, everywhere. And the truth is, for some of us, we're good at starting but not good at finishing. When Jesus was on the cross, he talked about finishing. He talked about finishing. And he said this. He said, it is finished. Now, what was Jesus talking about there? Was he just saying... I'm going to breathe my last breath. My life is over. Is that what he's saying? I think he's saying a little bit more than that. It is finished. It's one, one, one word, tilios. Um, Telestai, I mean. And it comes from the idea of being complete. Checking off every single box. The project is done. It's in the mail. It's in the client's hands. It is finished. It is completed. And the third reason that the cross is the key is because God finished what He started. While it may be true of some of us that we're good at starting and not good at finishing, God is good at finishing what He started. And that's why Jesus, regardless of the agony, regardless of the suffering, as you heard Greg share that verse earlier when Jesus said, I could have called 12 legions, which is several thousand angels to come and rescue me. He chose not to do that. He chose to hang on that cross. He chose to go through the punish, the humiliation of the trials, the punishment, the beatings, the physical suffering. 
and then to hang on that cross. And the reason he did that is because he wanted to complete the work of forgiveness on the cross. He had to complete the work of forgiveness on the cross. You see, forgiveness was made complete on the cross, and there's nothing we can do to earn or deserve forgiveness. There's nothing we can do to earn or deserve it. There's a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation and restoration. There's a difference between those two. Don't mix those two up because it can make it messy. Forgiveness is when you let go and you release the other person. You say, I'm not going to hold it against them. Reconciliation is when the other person is willing to come back towards you. And restoration is when there's payment for the wrong that was done. We're just talking about forgiveness. Forgiveness. Imagine how awkward it would be if you and I had a conflict and, and um, um, I came to you and we talked about the conflict and, and uh, you recognized your part and you asked for forgiveness and I extended the forgiveness to you and then you started to try to repay me for what you had done wrong. And I said, no, 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 forgiveness is free. And you're like, well, it can't be free. Here, how about I take you out to lunch, you know? No, it's free. Well, how about I clean your car? Well, you can clean my car, but forgiveness is free, you know? It's free. Well, how about I do that? No, no, no. It's free. Forgiveness is free. And if you think about it, when you try to pay for a gift, it almost feels insulting, doesn't it? Doesn't it? I mean, think about a gift you recently received where someone made a sacrifice, thought about you. Maybe it wasn't necessarily a special event. And they said, hey, I was just thinking about you and you're, you know, I really appreciate you for X, Y, Z and I want to give you this gift. And you're like, oh, that's such a nice gift. Here, let me pay you for that gift, you know. You'd almost feel insulted, wouldn't you? That someone would try to pay you for a gift that you thought about, you reflected on, you purchased, you sacrificed for, and you wanted to give to them. But so often in this dynamic of our relationship with God, we say, God, I know you've done all this for me. I know you've taken care of the sin stuff, the debt stuff. That's all taken care of. But can I, can I just pay you back for it? Can I, can I give you a little bit of money for it? Can I just do some good things and then maybe I'll be good enough? And God says, no. No. God says, it's free. It's free. Reimer says this in his book. He says, forgiveness is a gift granted by the offended party. Trust is earned. And while forgiveness is unilateral, reconciliation is bilateral. It requires both parties fully to participate. And when God offers this gift of forgiveness that's free, He then says, I would love for you to move towards and receive this gift and for us to be reconciled in our relationship. That's what reconciliation is, is when both parties come together and resolve the matter and move forward with each other. And that's what God longs to do with us. Paul says this, it's by grace you've been saved through faith. It is not from yourselves. It is purely a gift from God. The cross is like a key that unlocks the door to freedom. It's a unique key. It's a powerful key. It's a handcrafted key from the heart of God to you to take away your sin, to remove the shame, and to open that door of relationship with Him. But the key will not open unless you take the door and open the door and invite Him in. We access the key to forgiveness through prayer. That's how we access that key to forgiveness. In just a moment, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask everyone to bow their heads, and I want to pray for everyone here this morning. And as it relates to this issue of forgiveness, 
I think that all of us are in one of these three places. Some of you, you know, you've heard about forgiveness and you know about forgiveness. You know about God's forgiveness. You've received God's forgiveness and this today has just been a reminder to you and your heart is filled with gratitude for the forgiveness that God has extended to you. And so I'm going to pray for you just a prayer that just reminds you of God's amazing forgiveness for you. For some of you, this idea of forgiveness is making sense today. You realize, okay, I understand why Easter is important now. I kind of get it. I get the fact that we were stuck. I get the fact that God loved us so much, He wanted to make a way. I get the fact that the cross is the way, it's the key that opens that door to forgiveness, to have a relationship with God forever. And today, I want to receive that. I want to enter that relationship with Him. And yet some of you are still wrestling with this. Some of you are wrestling with this. Some of you are thinking, John, you don't know the pain I've been through, and I do not. But he does. Some of you are thinking, John, I'm just not ready to let go of all this. And he knows that. And so my prayer for you is going to be that you would continue to explore this. If you're wrestling with this, I hope you come back the next couple of weeks or listen online, go to our website and listen online, and you keep wrestling with this issue of forgiveness. Because the truth is, forgiveness, if not extended by you, it will leave you in bondage the rest of your life in every relationship of your life. I was talking to a young woman past week who was struggling with forgiveness. And just reminding her that if you do not forgive, it will leave you in bondage for the rest of your life. And so God has designed a way for you to resolve that tension with Him and then to resolve that tension with one another. And so in just a moment, I'm going to pray for you. And then I'm going to ask you to take out those cards that I asked you to to grab earlier and write one of these three initials on it, F-A, F-T, or E-F, on the back of that card to say, John, this is just where my heart is today. Today. So would you bow your heads with me as, as we go to God in prayer? And as we do that, um, this morning, if you have received God's gift of forgiveness, and today has been a reminder for you, would you make this your prayer? Jesus, I'm amazed at your grace that was demonstrated on the cross. I put my faith in Your grace some time ago and today I'm affirming that faith once again. Thank You for extending forgiveness to me. I love You, Lord. Amen. And if today this issue of forgiveness is making sense to you, would you make this your prayer? Jesus, it's as if I can hear You speaking to me from the cross today. I can hear you saying, you died for me. And you did this because you love me and you're extending forgiveness to me. And by faith right now, I put my trust in your amazing grace that's paying the debt of my sin and giving me a reconciled relationship with you. Thank you for extending your forgiveness to me. I love you, Lord. Amen. If you're still exploring this issue of forgiveness, would you make this your prayer? Jesus, I'm intrigued with the concept of forgiveness. And I want to explore it more over the next few weeks.
Would you please speak to me? Make my heart aware as I engage in exploring and understanding your forgiveness, how to be reconciled with you, and to forgive others. Please help me find you. In Jesus' name, amen.